What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. You got myself, Dom, and David. As always, we got another four quarters for you. And as long as uh, we don't talk too much, maybe we'll hit our overtime drive and play some little fun games today. But we'll get right into it. Quarter one, it's recap time. Um, College football this weekend was supposed to be boring, but we had a lot more close games than I think what we thought. Uh, And then obviously... The NFL was the NFL Monday Night Football. Fun, maybe not interesting. Sucks. I guess you can call. It. Oh, it's interesting. I don't. Yeah, we'll, I don't think we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it soon. The first thing I want to recap is obviously Colorado um, had just an electric game with Colorado State this past weekend. Shouldn't have been as close as what it was, but it was a double overtime game. You had people like The Rock and Little Wayne and everybody that does at the game. Um, you had all the hype build up to the Colorado State coach was basically disrespecting um, prime time all week. So it was definitely a hyped up game. Um, but in this game, there was an illegal hit on Travis Hunter. And I just kind of want to get your guys's, you know, feeling on that hit in general. You know, what do you think about it? Um, and then secondly, do you think something more should have been done to the player that hit him other than just a 15 yard penalty? Um, and then I guess, do you think it was illegal? Do you think it was clean? Do you think... Just bad timing. Um, just in general, what do you guys think about everything that's going on? We'll go ahead and start with Dom. Um, yeah, I watched it live. I think it was a horrible hit. Um, I've seen players ejected for worse or for for less hits. Um, uh, I, I definitely think he definitely should have got a, a bigger penalty, or I obviously um, ejected from the game. There's there's no room for that. Yeah, you don't hit someone like that that's already out of bounds. Um, yeah, horrible hit. Uh, you hate to see that in, in any level of football. Yeah. The play was over. You know what I mean? I think I, I can, I can get behind, you know, I guess making that kind of a hit while the play is going on, you know, because you want to send a message, I guess, if that's what you want to do. But at the end of the day, like the play was over, he wasn't, Mm -hmm. he was out of bounds. It wasn't like he's going to catch anything. And, yeah, yeah, I was, was going to say the same thing because I was like, if it wasn't for the fact that the throw was overthrown and he was out of bounds, we would we would be having a completely different discussion. Like if that caught that ball was caught and he wasn't out of bounds, I think that might have been considered perfectly fine. He might have gotten some kind of a penalty for it. But it's it's but, also like he he saw that the play was over. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we're sitting here being like like you had enough time to be able to visually see everything kind of pan out and mm. be done with, and you still chose to hit him. You know what I mean? Clearly and on it was top just... of that brag about it too. Afterwards. Yeah. You, know, you Clearly... take out, you can, you take out the, the timing of it and him bragging about it. We'd be having a completely different discussion about it. Yeah. And when now, yeah, I think if it, out... if it was happening in the middle of the play, I think it was a it would have been a perfectly clean hit. Yeah. Now Travis Hunter's out for the next three, four weeks, maybe. Um, gonna miss both of their biggest games that they have this season. So definitely unfortunate. Um Heisman hopes are probably done, but we'll see. I mean, he plays both sides of the ball, so maybe he only misses two weeks. He can come back and he can pad his stats or whatever, and we're having a different conversation. But 
Um, I, I would think that he's probably out of that race now, which is really unfortunate. So uh, let's go ahead. And before we recap the, well, I guess it is a part of the Monday night games. We'll go ahead and recap the both Monday night games. Um, first, we'll do the Saints and Panthers. First, guys, go ahead and um, give your opinions on the game. And then um, if you guys saw the one-handed catch by Chris Olave during that game, uh, go ahead and give your opinion on that as well, too. We'll go ahead and start with David. So I think that was definitely a close game. Um, both teams, I think, more so the Panthers than the, the Saints showed up because it's like it was 20 to 17. We don't expect the Panthers to really go anywhere because uh, let's be honest, how crappy of a team they were last year. And so while we can expect a little bit better from the New Orleans, but still not that much. However, Derek Carr went 21 for 36, 228 yards for one interception, while both Taysom Hill and Tony Jones Jr. shared running the ball. And they did it well, considering uh, Jamal Williams was out, I think, after the like the, the first quarter. And then Bryce Young definitely, he's showing some promise with an overall, I guess you could say, bad team. Yeah. Dom, what would you uh, think of the game? Um, I agree uh, with a lot of what David said. I think the Saints are a better team than, than uh, what he kind of made out. Um, they got a good defense. They got to figure out their running game. Jamal Williams, who knows what his injury is. Um, maybe they bring in Kareem Hunt or somebody. I'm still impressed by Derek Carr. Um, I feel like he got a bad rap over the last year. I mean, he's still a, a good NFL quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback by any means, but you can win some games with him, and he can he can put up some some numbers. Yeah, so I mean, we're finally seeing what Derek Carr could be with a good team around him, and I think this is a team that can compete for a division title. Um, in terms of the Panthers, they're still rebuilding. Um, personally, I'm not sold on Bryce Young just because we've never really seen smaller quarterbacks besides uh, Drew Brees really have a lot of uh, success in the NFL. Um, and I, I feel like he's he's five ten on a good day. Uh, so I think longevity for him is going to be um, a major question mark. So I mean, we'll see. Um, they definitely got some younger pieces around that or on that roster. So I, I think there's hope for the team, um, but they're definitely not competing this year. Um, I think this year it's the Saints and then maybe going forward, it's it's the Panthers competing for the division. Yeah. I mean, I do think the Saints are a better team than what we saw. Um, I definitely like, you know, Derek Carr for this team. Um, I think Michael Thomas has, he's helped, bring Michael Thomas, you know, back up to a playable level, I think, by having a capable quarterback there. I mean, Jameis Winston did his best, but, you know, Jameis is not the most accurate quarterback. He's pretty accurate deep, but, you know, Michael Thomas is aging. He's not really a deep threat anymore. Um, obviously, they have Chris Olave this year, but I think Derek Carr is a good fit. He's one of those guys that can be accurate, can be consistent, and that's what that offense needs. But we'll kind of see what that team looks like going forward. I mean, I think all, what, three out of the four teams are 2-0 and in that division now. So it's going to – I mean, obviously, I don't think they've really played the best competition. I think 
the Buccaneers have probably played the better competition out of the three of them so far. But, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be a very interesting division to watch. I think everybody thought that division was going to suck, and nah, they're the only division that I think have more than two teams <laughs> with a 2-0 and record right now. So it's uh, it's very interesting. Like Dom said, I'm not super sold on Bryce Young. I think, I think he just looks a little lost out there, but at the same time, his best pass catcher right now is Adam Thielen. And Adam Thielen is, he's aged, he's older, you know, he shouldn't be the best. He shouldn't be your number one receiver on a team anymore. He's a guy that should be sitting in the slot, maybe your two or three. Um, So that's kind of a tough situation to be in. So hopefully the Panthers can continue to grow and get better as a team over the next couple of years to give Bryce Young an opportunity to grow and get better. Um, it is. I think we had that conversation about like, you know, the the Packers being able to sit Jordan Love for three years and for him to develop. And not every program is able to do that because they want their young quarterbacks to start right away. Unfortunately, but definitely a um, not a very fun scoring game. Looked a little bit more defensive. I don't think there was as many turnovers in this game as the the second game we're going to talk about right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, hey, division rivals, we'll see him again. Definitely an interesting game. So we'll go ahead and move on to our second Monday night game, which was that's it, it's a tough game. You had two quarterbacks who played awful. You had um, two offensive lines that could not stop the pass rush, could not keep their quarterbacks clean. You had two quarterbacks who... Could not turn, could not stop turning the ball over. Um, you had a gruesome injury with Nick Chubb. Um, I think Mika Fitzpatrick went out with an injury in this game. Um, there was a couple other injuries as well, too. Half the Browns defense went out with an injury in the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, Zadarius Smith came back. He was out for a little bit, came back. Um Frank Newsom came back. I think he said he hyperextended his shoulder. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he yeah, yeah. fine. I think Kenny Pickett got. I don't, I'm surprised he was still out there the way I think whoever landed on his, he drove him into the ground. He landed on his non-throwing shoulder and he came up holding it, not being able to move. So definitely um, it's a brutal game. It's the Steelers Browns always usually play each other pretty hard. Doesn't matter who's good or who's bad. It's always usually a pretty close game. So yeah, I mean, just a, a gross game. And listen, if you're a big fan of defenses, I think we said it at the beginning of this year, but I think this game reaffirms it that this this front seven for the Browns and front seven for the Steelers, these are two of the best front sevens in the league. They will get to anybody, and it does not matter. Um, and yes, sir. I think that that's, that's the bright spot that you have to look from this game is like, hey, at the very worst, your defense is going to carry you. Um, in the case of the Steelers, TJ Watts scoop and score there at the end that ended up winning the game. But I think that when you talk about the Browns, the Steelers, and you add the 49ers into that, I think this is the best front. These are the, those are the three best front sevens in the league. And I guess if you want to add the Cowboys into that with Mika Fitzpatrick as well, too, but I don't know what, what's your guys is like, you know, quick overall feeling from the game come. I know that the Nick Chubb injury sucked. We'll talk more about that later, but other than that, you know, what was your, you know, initial reactions, um, and we'll kind of go from there. Um, I'll let David go first because it seems like Dom has a lot to say, so I'll let David go first. <laughs> so offensively, 
both teams really played like dog shit. Um, let's be honest here. Yeah, they had some bright spots like the 71 yard touchdown reception by uh, George Pickens, as well as um, Floyd, who came in after um, Ford. Ford, yeah, sorry, yeah, Ford. Ford. Sorry. Thank you, Ford. I was like, Floyd came- Mayweather? <laughs> um, um, came in after Chubb's, Chubb's injury. Um, but outside of that, Deshaun Watson played like garbage. And which, by the way, I think if he does not have a good year, like in any case, and has like a consistent, like what happened last night, the Browns really need to consider something different. I don't think they can. I think you're tied to him with too much money. We're, we're locked into him. Uh, I'll also talk more about that when I'm getting my take. But still, it's like they and they sold their soul for hopefully something in return. In return. But so far, it has not played out. I was willing to give him the exception last year because he missed, what, almost two years of play and only played six games. But this year, he has to pick it up. Yeah. You know, before Dom goes, I do think when I was watching the game, the comment was made that, you know, in this offense, it's a lot of play action, right? Because with Nick Chubb, you get Nick Chubb going. You know, as long as he's going, you can do that play action. And... Deshaun Watson never really played play action. They always did shotgun in Houston. Um, and I think he, when you even go back to his, was it Clemson days? Um, they they did a lot of shotgun back at Clemson as well, too, because it gave him the opportunity to run when he wanted to. So I think maybe that's something maybe that's something. that that Brown's, you know, offensive staff has to think about and maybe switch it up. Obviously, you want to do play action every once in a while, but maybe play action isn't the primary form of offense that they do. And now with Nick Chubb out and them not really having a predominant runner, maybe that's something that they go to and do more shotgun, do something that makes him more comfortable because he's going to be the one driving that offense now, not that run game. But Dom, will let you take over on this game. Um, what do you think about it? Overall reactions, good, bad, sad. What is it? Um, all of the above. Um, I, I was impressed by the Browns defense. Um, the, the Browns defense didn't allow the, the Steelers to have a single play in the red zone the entire game, which I thought was a really impressive stat. Um, I think both defenses played really well. Um, my initial reaction is the Browns handed the Steelers the game. I feel like if we didn't spot them a seven point lead from the, the first play from scrimmage, um, and then Deshaun Watson with his fumbles. One of them uh, was the game-ending scoop and score. So when you, when you spot your opponent 14 points, um, it doesn't matter how great your defense is. Um, it's still going to be hard to win. Um, Browns need to control their turnovers. I think Deshaun Watson looked bad. He still had some really impressive throws on the sideline. Um, Cooper is a great receiver. The fact that I watched a little bit of the, the film after the game, and I think the Browns' receiving room is concerning me a little bit with their inability to get open in the middle of the field. Um, I feel like a lot of Watson's sacks are him just waiting for receivers to get open, and then he um, has to just 
run or take a sack. Um, the offensive line, Jed Wills sucks. Uh, the Browns need to move on from him as soon as possible. Um, on that strip sack, I, I've never really seen a left tackle get beat as quickly as he did. Um, but it, it's like he was just zoned out, not even paying attention. Um, so I feel like if, if we had a half-decent offensive line play, it would have given the receivers another second, half a second to get open. I feel like more plays could have been made. Um, Steelers-wise, that offensive line still looks bad. I think Najee Harris is a reincarnation of Trent Richardson. Um, that, that offense looks bad, but that defense looks amazing. Um, Kenny Pickett, um, not sounding the alarm on him, but but the, the alert button is on the nightstand. Um Kind of something that I've been alluding to. I'm all, gonna, all I'm year. gonna go in. I'm gonna go in on him when you're done. <laughs> yeah. Um, I it, it's at the point now where it you can't just blame Matt Canada. Um, but I think Matt Canada called an okay game, but he's not the one that's not making throws. He's not the one that's misreading defenses. Um, I think he got bailed out by a big play by George Pickens. And if it wasn't for that, I his night was really bad. Um, and I, I feel like Deshaun Watson's getting a little bit more attention, as he naturally will, um, with the, the attention that comes with Deshaun Watson. Um, so I, I feel like that's kind of shielding him a little bit from a lot of criticism. Um, the Nick Chubb injury is devastating, but I think Jerome Ford looked decent. Um, he had that one really nice run, but outside of that, he averaged less than two yards or about two yards of carry. A lot of concerns for the Browns offense going forward, but luckily you can find a serviceable replacement at running back pretty easily. Um, it's not a position where you need an elite running back to, to win in the NFL. I feel like if we can get some some good production from Ford, maybe bring in someone like a Leonard Fournette, uh, Cam Akers, someone in that realm that could be half decent at running back. Theoretically, Deshaun Watson should be able to pick up the slack. Um, and this defense is going to keep us in games. And Deshaun Watson, if he can control his turnovers, I think everything that the Browns want to achieve this season is still in front of them. Um, luckily it's early in the season, but yeah, it was one of the most sloppy games that that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I I do want to, so these are my points. I think everybody looks at the offensive line for both of these teams and they're going to, you know, crap on them. But this is what I'm going to say, right? We had this, we made this comment. I think we all agree these are two of the best, you know, pass rushing teams in the league. So I think that, yes, obviously, I think it was Alex Highsmith that came around on Jedrick Wills, got around him super easy, strip sack, you know, TJ Watt picked that up, scored it, right? Obviously, that's a that's a crap play. That shouldn't happen. Jedrick Wills shouldn't get blown by that bad. But at the end of the day, you've got to think about the high level of, of pass rushers that each of these teams have, right? Like the Browns have Zadarius Smith and... Um, Miles Garrett, you know, that's just tip of the iceberg. They have a bunch of other guys on the inside as well, too. When you look at the Steelers, they have High Smith, they have TJ Watt. Those are just two of the guys that they have. You looked at look, Larry Ogan Joby last night, freaking monster on the inside. Former Brown, they kind of kind of hurt to see. Well, and the thing, too, is, you know, he was playing second fiddle to Cam Hayward a lot of the time, so you didn't really get to see him 
flourish, but him taking now that Cam Hayward role, he stepped in. It was like Cam Hayward wasn't even gone. So uh, my favorite moment of the night was when, you know, Deshaun went to go run it forward and he got the ball poked out and Larry Ojanobi just kind of stood up with the ball like, hey, uh, I got the ball. And they were like, oh, <laughs> Brown's first down. And he's like, no, I, I have the ball. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, that video was freaking hilarious. But anyway, <laughs> I know it wasn't funny for you guys, but for me, I, it was just a comical moment because that game was just shit. Like, <laughs> it was like, bad. Uh- Hold on, let me let me finish. He got he froze anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, the other thing I will say to Dom's comment, uh, Najee Harris, not explosive at all. I I don't understand like this when you get the ball right and you're handed the ball and you're a running back. Like when I was a kid, and you you got the ball at running back, you were taught to explode through the hole. And he's doing too much like dancing, too much like trying to think about it too much like that dude is he's a big dude he's big he's strong he has some speed explode through the hole like I don't understand he did this at the beginning of last season too where he was like so hesitant to explode through the hole and use his size but I I don't understand why he doesn't do that because you look at somebody like Jalen Warren who's uh, not like significantly smaller than Najee, but he's definitely a smaller back and he's exploding through those holes. Through he's those pushing holes. his way. He's, he's, using his way. Force. he's using force. So it's, it's very interesting to me why we're in this situation and why he can't, why he can't be explosive. And I think his time is running out at Pittsburgh. And honestly, I think his time is running out in the national football league to begin with. If he doesn't do something um, soon, the other thing I will say is, if TJ Watt wasn't on the Steelers, this team, I don't think would win more than four games this year. I'm going to say that. Um, I think that TJ Watt is that much of a game changer. And obviously there's the other guys in the Steelers defense are good, but I think without him, that defense is, is just a, an average defense. And they have good pass rushers. They'll get to the quarterback. They'll do what they're supposed to do. They'll have a good season or whatever, but they're not going to be extraordinary. So I I don't know what this Steelers team does going forward offensively. When you look at Kenny Pickett, this is a guy last six games of the year last year, he was decisive. He knew where to throw the ball. He didn't get fooled. He didn't put the ball in bad situations. You look at the preseason, he did the same thing. Now through the first two weeks, he's forcing balls. He's throwing into triple coverage. He looks lost. He doesn't look like he understands where the ball needs to be, and he doesn't look accurate. He doesn't look comfortable. And I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened from the last six games of last year, the preseason, and then now we're in the regular season. Are the lights too big? Were we fooled? Was it just a good stretch? Like, what is it? What what has changed? I think that Kenny Pickett needs to do some soul-searching I I honestly think that they can't let him have if he has another game like that this week I think that you turn to one of the other guys in the quarterback room because you you have to win games this defense is too good for you not to be offensively successful and you have too good of weapons George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, Fryermuth, Washington, those guys are too good. If you have a capable quarterback that is behind center, you're going to be able to put points up. Those guys are going to be able to put points up for you. That's 
they they have really solid good weapons and they're not able to use them because Kenny Pickett is seeing ghosts out there. He looks like freaking Sam Darnold with the Jets. And I'm not quite sure why that's happening. And I, I think I said something about it last week about Kenny Pickett and Dom, you had said, Hey, calm down, you know, whatever. But no, I'm, I'm, you said, you said you might be sounding the alarm. The freaking bells are going off. Like he doesn't look right. Something's wrong. And it's, it's not, it's not physically it's mentally. And I don't know if you can fix that. So he has to be the one to fix it. And if he can't, then the Steelers are screwed. So, I mean, I guess the good thing is there's a, I I think there's a lot of QB talent that's going to come in this draft and they're not all going to go in the top 10. So somebody's going to fall, whether that's Quinn Ewers, um, whether that's maybe Sam Harton from Notre Dame, maybe Kyle McCord from Ohio state decides to go out this year and he's not a high pick because he only had one year playing. That's not a good decision for, for him, but we can talk about that later. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think if Kyle McCord, plays like he did this past weekend, he'll at least be a first round draft pick, but that's besides the point. So, but I do think that this quarterback draft class, depending on how it shakes out, is going to be good. You're going to have Shadur, you're going to have Caleb Williams, you're going to have Drake May, so on and so on. Like there's going to be another guy that they could take a a chance on. Um, But yeah, I don't know with the Browns. Listen, I, I stand by my statement. I think they need to go back and make Deshaun Watson comfortable. I think that, um, I can't think of the Browns head coach for some stupid reason. Kevin Stefanski. Kevin Stefanski. I think he needs to put his pride aside and it's not his system anymore. It's what makes Deshaun Watson feel comfortable and what makes Deshaun Watson the best quarterback that he can be. I don't give a crap about your system. You just lost Nick Chubb. You're not a run first team anymore. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you go bring in Cam Akers or you bring back um, Kareem Hunt. It doesn't matter if you go with Jerome Ford. None of those guys are Nick Chubb. When I think there was a stat up that said that since entering the league, Nick Chubb has 30 100-plus yard games. That was second behind Derrick Henry at 32. I don't think people realize how good Nick Chubb has been since he entered the league. You think he's been the best running back in football? He's one of them, yeah. I think Derrick Henry's definitely been better, but I think that Nick Chubb is is probably have been one of the best running backs that we've seen since he's entered the league. And I think it's been quiet. Like, nobody's really talked about it and nobody's given him his flowers, um, except for Browns fans probably. But I think that when you think about that kind of a loss, there's you can't replace that. That's not something you can replace. So they have to make Deshaun Watson comfortable. But this game sucked. It was gritty. There were so many turnovers. Deshaun Watson's got to fix that. He's getting paid too much. He's thought up as too highly as a player. And I agree with you, Dom. I think, I think that Steelers defense still would have held them to not very many points. But I do think that with all the turnovers, the Browns shot themselves in the foot because the Steelers couldn't score. They the, the they only had one scoring drive, and that was with that long that was with the pass to George Pickens, and then he ran it um, all that time. It really wasn't anything that Kenny Pickett did. I'm surprised that he hit him on the run in stride because he hadn't been able to do it the rest of the game. It was only good throw of the night. Yeah. So, um, yeah, sucked. It was a shitty game. But I guess the good thing is if you're a Steelers fan like me or you're a Browns fan like the guys, it could only get better. Knock on wood. I mean, you can't really have any worse of a performance because either it's going to be just as sucky or you're going to get better. So, I mean, at the end of the day, 
if you wanted excitement on a primetime game, you got a ton of turnovers. I guess that's exciting. Um, you got a lot of good defensive play. That's exciting. But other than that, there's a lot of question marks between both these teams. I think, I think when you look at this AFC North, we thought that this was going to be the best division in, in football. And honestly, between these two teams and the Bengals, they've all three teams have kind of underperformed and not been as good as we thought they were going to be. Um, and I think the team that we thought was going to be the worst one is sitting on top laughing at everybody right now. So give them, give them time. It's only week two. <laughs> but I don't know. We're going to go ahead and move on because I'm sure we could talk about it all day. But let us know what you guys think about these games. Let us know what you think about the Browns and Steelers in general and their uh, projection going forward and what they need to fix. You know, do the Browns need to bring in another running back or they just stick with what they got? Should the Steelers look elsewhere at quarterback? Um, let us know what you think. Real quick, guys. Player of the week. Mine's Puka Nakua. That dude's been going off. I don't understand what's happening with the Rams. I know they lost to the 49ers, but it was a close, closer game than I think what everybody thought. Uh, Matthew Stafford is playing really well, and he's getting the most out of that, that wide receiving core that he really shouldn't be. <laughs> so um, and I think, honestly, the, 40, the Rams defense held Brock Purdy to no touchdown passes. So very interesting. But who's your guys' player of the week real quick? I got to go with uh, Mozart. Raheem Mostert from Miami because he did really well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. As much as I love the CLC Hawks as well, and Geno Smith did pretty well that game too. Um, hey, I'm talking to America here. <laughs> I got to go with um, uh, Mostert on that one. Dom, who's your player of the week? Um, Hard to think of. Um, I was looking through fantasy scoring to see who put up big numbers. Um, uh, probably TJ Watt, honestly, as much as I hate to say it, being a Browns fan. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can set the franchise record for you know, a prestigious organization like the Steelers, um, that that's a huge accomplishment. Um, then he also backed it up with, with a big game. He didn't just have that one sack. He was a force to be reckoned with all game. Um, and he had that that scoop and score that that sealed the deal. So, also, I'd like to point out that Drake London actually did pretty well last week. Yeah, yeah, I I'm actually um fairly pleased with Desmond Ritter's play. I'm not listen. I'm not saying he's playing like top ten, but I think from what I thought he was going to be compared to what he's been performing so far, I think that he's doing a good job of managing the offense. And if he can do that and he could progress throughout his career, I mean, we've seen a lot of game managers be successful, you know, whether that's Kirk Cousins or, you know, like a Phillip Rivers, Carson Palmer, like they're not going to wow you. They may not win you very many like playoff games or Super Bowls, but, you know, they're going to be a good, consistent quarterback and and you could build around them and and believe that they can give you a chance so maybe he could be that but I, I am fairly surprised and and pleased to see him doing well um you know as a Cincinnati Bearcat it, it's very cool to see that draft class um have so many talented guys be successful in the NFL coming from you know a school like Cincinnati that really hasn't produced a ton of NFL talent like that outside of the Kelsey brothers <laughs> before that so um very interesting and also, Josh Dobbs had a pretty good game, too. Better, listen, 
I didn't I didn't even put the freaking Giants on here because I don't like them. And the <laughs> fact that, that they barely beat Josh Jobs in the freaking Cardinals, I, I don't I can't even I, I can't even we're gonna go into quarter two because quarter one, guys, we had a lot of a lot of turnovers, a lot of bad plays. Mike Tomlin threw out the challenge flag three times because he likes to throw out the challenge flag a lot. Um so fishing kind of sucked too, so but yeah, it it did, but I guess before la- the Monday night, Mike Tomlin had lost five challenges in a row. Poor guy. He really believes in his players. I love him. Anyway, quarter two, we're going to talk about some college football. All right. Here's the first question right off the bat. <laughs> as, as Ohio State fans from Columbus, do we think that you know Ohio State did enough against Western Kentucky to prove to us that they are going to be able to win this game against Notre Dame. Did Kyle McCord do enough? Um, you know, what do you guys think? David, I'll start with you. You know what? I'm going to let Dom start with this one, actually. Yeah, you okay. started with David the last three topics. I'm, I, we, we were talking a lot, so I just wanted to get David an opportunity. Um, I'm going to be quick about it. Are, are one you- word. One, you're the only one from Columbus, so don't say we're from Columbus. True. I'll give Dom that. I guess guess that's fair. I'll give Dom that because both Dom and I are from Cleveland, so. Well, you know what? Um, Anyways, don't matter. You're a Buckeye at heart. Yeah, that's true. Um, Either way, I don't think a program like Ohio State, you're never going to really learn anything from beating a school like Western Michigan. Um, Did they look good? Sure. West, sorry, Western Kentucky. You're not going to learn anything about beating a program that I forgot their name and you just had to correct me on them. <laughs> um, Challenge flag. <laughs> hey there, Mike Tom. Um, will they beat Notre Dame? Most likely because I have no faith in that program at all. Um, to me, they're the, they're the Cowboys of college football. They have uh, obnoxiously passionate fan base that thinks that they have the best team and they're still living in the eighties. Um, they have a ton of hype every year and they always get three to four losses and struggle to stay in the top 25. Um, I think Ohio state will still win. Uh, Notre Dame to me is overrated, but Ohio state to me hasn't looked like a national championship contender either. Okay. All right. Uh, David, what do you think? I think that, I agree with Dom to an extent. You can't really base that game off of a third-rate college like uh, Western Kentucky. Um, Well, you don't need to shit on their academics, but their football team isn't that great. Still. (laughs) But you can't really say that that Notre Dame is much of a challenge considering that their first four games were literally against Tennessee State NC State, Central Michigan, and freaking Navy. Don't get me wrong. Navy, everyone loves the Navy and all of our armed forces, which for those that are listening, thank you for your service, by the way. But when it comes to football, you can't really base anything against those four teams. So I'm going to say, yeah, Ohio State's going to win, and then we'll figure everything out else out for the rest of the season yeah fair enough i i do i i think i think ohio state wins this game but i think it's close i 
I know Dom's comments about them, you know, being basically the Cowboys, but the Cowboys are doing well this year and they look like a pretty well-rounded team. Obviously, like Stephen A. Smith says, hey, give it time. Cowboys are Cowboys. But I mean, listen, as of right now, they look pretty good. But, you know, I, I think Sam Hartman is is a good quarterback. I think that I'm a big believer in Marcus Freeman, you know, ex-Buckeye. I'll support him, you know, when they're not playing Ohio State. But I think uh, I think Notre Dame is going to be a tougher matchup than what a lot of people think it's going to be. I think it'll be a good, you know, test for us. And seeing where we're at, it'll be a good test for Kyle McCord to seeing where he's at playing against that kind of talent. So it'll be interesting. Let us know what you guys think at home. Is Ohio State ready to play Notre Dame or are we not? I don't know. Uh, Guys, Alabama, Georgia, Florida State. They had some scares this past weekend. Florida State almost lost to, um, oh my gosh, I'm going to forget the name, Boston College. They almost lost to uh, Boston College. Georgia had a scare against South Carolina and Alabama had a scare against the University of South Florida. So in your guys' opinions, in your minds, who played worse this past weekend, Alabama, Georgia, and Florida State? And who should we be more worried about going through the rest of this season in college football? Uh, Dom, we'll start with you. Um, I'm going to say Alabama. They switched quarterbacks going into this game. Um, I think they looked even worse. This this game was close, and it shouldn't have been. you know, I, I think we're seeing the effects of um, NIL and the conference realignment spreading out a lot of talent across college football. And, you know, as dominant as Alabama has been for the last almost two decades, uh, I, I don't think that we're going to see Alabama be the dominant Alabama team that, that we're used to seeing. Um, I got concerns about them going forward and, um, I, I don't think they're that good of a team this year. Fair enough, fair enough. David, how about you? I think an honest answer, Tennessee to losing to Florida. Mm. Yeah, I, I, didn't even, I guess I didn't I didn't even put yeah. them on there. Yeah, that is true. So, honest answer, Tennessee to Florida. But of the given answers that you gave us, I would probably say Florida State, the close win over Boston College. Because, let's be honest, that was a super close score for a team that has a history of being actually pretty decent at football. Maybe not an Alabama level, but still has a decent uh, football history and is losing to an academic school. Let's be honest. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think uh I think Alabama's cooked for this year, man. They don't really have a quarterback, which I think hurts a lot. And I don't think they have very good offensive weapons. So I mean the defense I don't think looks awful. I think it's very young, but um but yeah, I think Alabama is I honestly think they're in danger of falling out of the top 10 maybe or top 15 um and that's that's pretty crazy because when you think about us going to a 12 team playoff next year i think a lot of schools 
are obviously want to be in that top four, but I think they're trying to push to be in that top 12 so they can look at recruits and be like, hey, next year, boom, we perform the same. We're going to be in the playoff. You know what I'm saying? So I think that they might fall out of that top that top 12, that top 15. And I don't know what that does because it doesn't seem like Saban is, is able to recruit at the way that he used to. Um, like Don, Dom said, uh, NIL is, I think, hurting a lot of the bigger schools because that allure of, hey, come here, sit for a year or two, develop, perform well for one or two years, get drafted in the first three rounds, make big money, have a successful NFL career. That model is not as enticing anymore because these guys can go to TCU, they can go to Colorado, they can go to you know, even a school like Western Kentucky or Cincinnati, and they could get paid big money in NIL and play right away, perform, still develop, maybe even make it to the NFL. And if they don't make it to the NFL, well, shit, in their three or four years of college football, they made three, four, five, six, ten million dollars, depending on how big they were. And their portfolio is set up for life so they could do something else and they still have all the connections from college. So yeah, I don't know. Very interesting. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Who had the who played the worst this past weekend? Obviously, didn't even put Tennessee on there, but yeah, they they definitely got whooped. So we'll go ahead and move into quarter three. This is where we talk about our current NFL topics. Um, we kind of mentioned it already, guys. Let's just go ahead and rip the bandaid off. But David, how devastating is this Nick Chubb injury to this team? To Nick Chubb. And what do the Browns do with that cor- that running back room going forward? One, career ender. Two, I don't know what the Browns do. Three, I don't know who they can replace them with. And that's just the short, sweet, to the point answer. Yeah, honestly, uh, agree, agree, agree. I think uh, I'm not going to say career ender because of what sports medicine is nowadays. I I want to give him the opportunity. I want to give him the chance to come back. Obviously, it's a devastating injury. It's something that's going to be hard to come back from. It's like looking at somebody like Aaron Rodgers, and you know, I don't want to label it a career-ending injury, but again, it's tough to come back from. What Nick Chubb is going to go through is tough, but with the way that sports medicine is nowadays, I've lived through three different types of surgeries on my knees, Um, And each time the surgery has been different and more advanced and has been, you know, aimed towards faster and better recovery. So I'm sure that there is surgeries and therapies and ways to um, come back from this that maybe 15, 20 years ago, it, it, you would, it would be almost impossible to. The other thing for me is, I think they just stick with the guys that they have. I think their only real option is Cam Akers, but he really is not a productive runner. He's more effective in the pass game, I guess. But even with the you know the Rams the past couple of years, he really hasn't been that effective as a pass catcher or a running back. Um, so I think they stick with Jerome Ford, and I think they just put Deshaun Watson in a shotgun and say, hey, win us games. That's what you're paid to do. Have a good time. Dom, what you got on this one? Um, I mean, it's it's devastating for both the Browns and Nick Chubb. I I feel so bad for him. Um he's definitely my favorite player 
in in the NFL right now. Probably one of my favorite players that that I've ever watched, especially in a Browns uniform. Um, I think he's he's the the epitome of of what you want in a in a in a player in a locker room. Um, great person, great teammate, uh, one of the best running backs in the NFL. Um, I don't think the Browns will be able to replace him. Um, because you can't replace his production and, and presence on the field. Um, I'm sure he'll still be in the locker room being around the team uh, through his recovery. Um, but going forward, I I think this year could be a make-or-break year for Stefanski and Andrew Barry. So I think they're going to be more inclined to be very aggressive right now um, and do anything that they can to keep this team – and what we thought they would be, and that's that's a contender. Um, uh, maybe Cam Akers necessarily isn't the answer, but um, I don't know. Maybe they swing for the fences and try to bring in someone like Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, I think Leonard Fournette's still available. You can bring back Kareem Hunt. Um, you, you you need to bring in somebody because you can't just have two running backs on your on your roster, and. While Ford looked decent last night, I didn't really see enough out of him where I'd feel comfortable with him being the number one back. Um, and Pierre Strong hardly saw the field. Uh, he saw the field a little bit more um, in this last game, but he still barely saw the field. So I don't know what his role is going to be going forward. So I think they need to bring in somebody, um, whether that's via trade or um, bringing in someone that, that's currently a free agent, but they need to do something. Yeah, I mean they 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 need depth. So I think I think the easiest option would be Kareem Hunt, but he's just doesn't have the same burst that he used to. Um I mean yeah, I uh, honestly if they bring in they can go with the Philadelphia Eagles route and and rotate between three running backs and have them yeah. all situational backs, which is what I think the the running back position is going for anyways. Um, you can have Jerome Ford be your between the twenties running back, and then you bring in Kareem Hunt on you know third downs and goal line situations. Pierre I mean, Strong, Jer- Jerome he, Ford was doing solid in the past game. Like he can catch and get out in open space. I mean, I yeah, but you you, you need more depth. And, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think you know all all three of these running backs, if they were to bring back um, Hunt, are good in the passing game. Um, I just think Kareem Hunt, he's a little bit more physical. He's got a little bit more uh, muscle to him. So I think he's built more for those goal line and uh, short third down situations. Yeah. I mean, hey, bring in Kareem Hunt, trade for Cam Akers. You got Kareem Hunt, Cam Akers, Jerome Ford. Situational-wise, you can use Cam Cam Akers in the pass game. You can use um, Kareem Hunt for third down and goal line. And like you said, you can use Jerome Ford for everything else. I think uh I think that wouldn't be a bad rotation. So we will see. Let us know at home what you guys think that the Browns should do with the running back position. Do you think they should stick with what they got, or do you think they should bring somebody else in? All right. Um next one. Should the Bengals fans be worried? Who wants to go first? No. 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 No, they they got off to a uh, they they got off to a bad start last year. Figured it out, and you know made a big playoff run again. Um, Joe Burrow re-aggravating his calf injury, he'll still be able to play through it. 
Um, I think long term they'll be fine as long as you've got Joe Burrow and the receiving core that they have. Um, they they still have a decent defense. It's just this is a team that has historically got off to slow starts and then they figure it out midway through the season. And by the end of the season, they're on like a four or five game winning streak. Um, so I, I think long-term they'll be fine. Um, it's just good for us being fans of teams in the division that they're off to a slow start. Yeah. I have nothing to worry about um, unless both Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase both go down which is highly unlikely. It's usually one or the other, but they have nothing to really worry about. It, here's, it's only week two. Here's, here's what I'm going to tell you guys are wrong. Joe Burrow's injured. That dude is playing on a bum calf, and he just re-aggravated it back to what it was when he heard it in training camp. And to be completely honest, I don't even know who their backup is, nor do I care because it can't be anybody that good because he came back while he was still injured to play week one. So clearly whoever they have, they have zero confidence in them winning games. I think when Jamar chase made the comment about wanting Joe Burrow to come back week five, I think that said something that he wasn't fully healthy. And I don't think you really this team is successful without him. I think you go back to that Super Bowl run that this dude has been hit more than any quarterback since he entered the league. He has he's been sacked more. And they went to the Super Bowl and they almost won it. They were they were literally half a second away from Joe Burrow being able to get a pass off to Jamar Chase that would have ended up in a touchdown or at the very worst a very long play and they would have won that game. And I think we're in a situation where if Joe Burrow can't go, this team can't go. And I I don't know. I I don't think they should be like panicking, but I do think there should be a little worry that's setting in that if he continues to play on a bum leg like that, how effective is he really? And that team as overall doesn't look as good as it has in the past. So if he can't make up for those deficiencies, I don't really know what they are this year, but I know we'll see going forward. Maybe they bounce back. Like you said, Dom, they usually do, but sometimes you can't, sometimes the deficiencies are just too much. So let's know what you guys think at home. Are the deficiencies too much or will the Bengals bounce back? Like they always do. Next topic, guys, Zach Wilson doing Zach Wilson things again. Can the Jets really allow Wilson to continue to be their QB number one, or should they look elsewhere? David, what do you think? I mean, the guy's having success for right now. Um, apparently, he hasn't gone on OnlyFans recently. So, why do you got to bring this up every every week, David? Every he's not time, even having success. That's why this every, is a topic. Every think- time. First of all, since name is mentioned, he Dom, brings up Dom, something about Dom. OnlyFans hey, or um, older I'm, women. Dom, I'm talking to America right now. Okay, <laughs> calm down. No, you're not. No, you're yeah, not. You're talking to us. we're talking to the world. We're David. We are a world-renowned podcast. David, people Having in Germany it. and Russia listen to us. Okay, you can. You got to <laughs> stop talking about Zach Wilson. He didn't. It wasn't even OnlyFans. It was moms, David. It was moms. Okay, he likes moms. That's fine. Young Gravy likes moms. 
Other people like moms. All right. We're talking about moms. (laughs) We're talking (laughs) about Zach Wilson's play. That's garbage. Garbage. Can the Jets continue to allow him to play this way, David? Yes or no? No. Okay. Thank you. No. Jesus. I mean, he's had outside of this past week, he had success last week. He, yeah, he, I don't know if he can last. They need to look for something else. Okay. Dom, please answer the question. I'm willing to give him a little bit of a benefit of the doubt because he was going up against the Cowboys defense. Um, I think they're probably the best all-around defense in the NFL. Um, So I'm willing to give him a a little bit of a pass. Um, But going forward, we'll really see how much he's learned from Aaron Rodgers in the short time that he's been with him. But yeah, it's it's not looking good. Um, he, I'm willing to put money on. He's going to revert back to the Zach Wilson that we know that he has played at. Um, but what other option do they have at this point? Like, it's tough to bring in a quarterback from the street and have them be successful. So at this point, it's either ride with Zach Wilson, who's been in the locker room knows the plays, whether he's able to execute the plays is a different story, but he he at least is familiar with the team. Other than that, like you don't have Mike White to turn towards again. So I think it's it's either you either stick with Zach Wilson and pray that Aaron Rodgers comes back next year, or you play whoever Zach Wilson's backup is. And if he's the backup to Zach Wilson, then really how good is he? Honestly, Zach Wilson, I agree. He played the Cowboys. That's tough to judge because I feel like most quarterbacks that are going to play that defense this year are probably going to have their worst week against that defense. I agree with that. I'll tamper it right now. But he's he's got like another, got couple, like games. another couple games. And if he continues to perform like this, he to me he's in the same he's in the same I'm waiting before I kick your butt out like Kenny Pickett like those two guys are sitting like I think Justin Fields is sitting in that category right now too I think there's some guys don't get me started on him I think there's some guys where you're looking at that you're like hey listen especially Zach Wilson and Kenny Pickett because at least they have phenomenal weapons to throw the ball to I don't think their offensive lines are as bad as everybody thinks they are and at least in the case of the Jets, they have two capable running backs, like guys that could start on most teams in the NFL at this point. There's no reason that he should not have a successful night in and out. I'm not saying he has to have four touchdowns, but he needs to have a successful night in and out. He needs to be accurate, not turn the ball over, get the ball to his playmakers. That's all he's got to do. There's a dude who was drafted last in the draft in San Francisco, and that's what he's doing every week. Every week, he just gets the ball to the guys that he needs to. Why can't Why can't you do that? I don't understand. It's very It's very weird to me. I I don't. I honestly think if I'm the Jets organization, I'm giving him a couple more games, but I'm also putting things in motion to go find somebody else. Um, whether that's a Jameis Winston, whether that's Gardner Menchu, I, I I don't know. I mean, there at this point, there's got to be something better. Uh, I don't know. At least Jameis can stretch the field, but 
is that better? I don't know. Is Gardner Minshew better? I don't know. But with Anthony Richardson hurt, Gardner Minshew might not be a guy that the Colts are willing to let go of. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Carson Wentz, but he's just an older version. And at that point, if your options are Carson Wentz and Jameis Winston, you're better off just sticking with yeah with Zach Wilson. It's it's sad. It's really sad. They can yeah. have Kenny Pickett. Give us a second. No, no one, no one's. You're definitely not getting a second for Kenny Pickett. Get the fuck out of here on that. <laughs> no, you know that shit ain't happening. Yeah, that's a. Strategy. You could honestly. I don't think if if the Steelers wanted to trade Kenny Pickett, there's no way you're getting more than a fifth round pick for him. Oh, I don't think that they listen. Bring back Mason Rudolph. That's what I got to say. Oh yeah, you think he's going to be any better? Remember, he's missing a quarter of his head. Uh huh. And the that that quarter was smashed to a pancake. And you're you're welcome on that, by the way. We, you know, he's kind of looked like garbage since then, and we we saved your organization from at least a year of uh, Mason Rudolph, the quarterback. Uh huh. Spring back, Big Ben. Jesus. No, no arm, Big Ben. Can I be honest with you though? As much as much as people want to shit on him for his last like three years, that's the only reason that team was above five hundred was because he made magic happen behind a crap offensive line and crap offensive play calls for three years. Like if you really go back and look at it, that dude was pretty accurate with what he had to work with. And he had to get the ball out in less than two seconds every single time. So like at the end of the day, even even if he could throw it two yards, like I think he would be better and have better judgment than what Kenny Pickett has at this point. Like, I mean, bring Dan Orlowski back out of the freaking booth at this point. I, I I don't know. I mean, it's anyway, moving on chargers. Oh, and two, what the heck guys? Why? When you look at the chargers on paper, every single year, you could go back to like 2000. This team is probably one of the most disappointing teams that I've seen in NFL history since 2000. Like I, I don't, I don't understand how you could have as much talent on your roster over a 23 year time span, and you'd have nothing to show for it. Nothing. They have nothing. I don't even think they've made it to a Super Bowl in that time span. I could be wrong, but I don't think they've even made. They think they made it to one AFC Championship game, maybe. Um, but why? Why are the Chargers 0-2, guys? Um, I'll let whoever wants to go first go. Two guys, you're talking to two guys who are Browns fans, whose team has disappointed them since 1999. David, David, this is different. The Chargers, the Chargers are actually talented. All those Browns teams were not talented. Like this still, you're this expecting us to, to rate the disappointment. From 2000, from hey, two, no, no fan base is better at rating disappointment than the most disappointed fan base in the NFL. Listen, it's not other, it's other, right other than the Lions. Line, and you know still. what? It, hold on, hold on, hold on. Time out. It might have been the way I asked the question. It, it was just a, it was a lead up and also a little bit of background. I want to know why right now this team is 0 and 2. I, I apologize. I gave a little bit of background to it. Maybe that was confusing. But why right now, this year, with all this talent, why are they 0-2? Why are we in this situation? Okay, I think this past week they just ran into a better competition. 
I mean, you have to consider the fact that over the last two weeks, they've scored how many points? What? Easy 70 points? I think it was 54 points, I think. Okay. They did so almost 60 points. Yeah, because this... Over they... two games. Considering that that's, let's just say 60 points, that's even 30 points a game. But but this but this week, David, they played the Titans. But still, yeah, the, the Titans are not a better team. Yeah. I'm not, that's not the point. The point is, they somehow figured out that their defense is not good enough to keep an average of 30 points per game over two games successful. So I think it's defense. Yeah, I guess I can agree. I mean, the offense is not the issue. That's not the issue. I think it's the defense that can't contain the other opponent's offense. J.C. Jackson was getting cooked against the Dolphins, so, yeah. I don't know. Dom, what do you think? Um, I think it's all coaching. Um, you you look at the, the quality of the team. It's not like um, Justin Herbert's a scrub. You have Austin Eckler that's one of the best running backs in football. Um, you have a good wide receiving core. It's just play calling at the end of the games has just been horrendous. Um, and, and clock management has been bad. Um, so when it, when you're got a coach, they, they can't manage the game. You know, it, it makes it really difficult to, to win. Um, I, I think they should have moved on to a new coach going into this season. And I, I think, they're going to be looking for a new one pretty soon. Okay. All right. Let us know what you guys think at home. I, I, Again, not to confuse everybody, but this is a pattern by the Chargers since probably 2000. You have a ton of talent, and they just can't seem to put it together. I, I don't I don't know what it is, and, and this year could be different than the previous years, but they still can't get it done. So last one for this uh this week's NFL topics. We had two Monday night games. Next week we have two Monday night games. This seems like going this seems like this is going to be a common theme going forward. How do you guys feel about two Monday night games? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Well, I think there were a couple weeks last year where we had two Monday night games. And I feel like one was a lot earlier than the other one. So it was kind of finishing where the other one would start. I think that's fine. I'm fine with that. I would love to be able to watch football on a Monday night from like 6 o'clock all the way until like midnight last night um, that the Browns game ended. Um, I don't agree with having them at pretty much the exact same time. Yeah. Because now you have half the country that's watching one game, half the country that's watching the other and it kind of takes away from Monday Night Football that are supposed to be nationally televised games. Um, you know, unless you're someone that has two screens, you know, two TVs in the living room and is able to watch both games at the same time, which not a lot of people do, it kind of takes away from the excitement of being able to watch multiple games in one night. Yeah. David? Yeah, I was going to say if we if we do two games in one night i would say do it thursday night more than anything because thursday night football was almost kind of like a modern thing and monday night football was always kind of like the primetime game the game that 
everyone was excited for for that weekend. So mm-hmm. while I agree with Dom in the sense that they should do the one really early and one like follow immediately following, I think that should occur more on Thursday night than on Monday night. Yeah. No, see, this is what I'm going to say, right? I agree with Dom. If you're going to have two games on Monday night or if David's saying on Thursday night, you have to stagger them better. There's no reason that one should start at 7 and one should start at 8.20. Um, Nothing pissed me off more than when I'm trying to watch the Steelers and Browns game and they go to the screen where they shrink the Steelers and Browns game and put the freaking Saints and Panthers game up, which is if I wanted to watch that game, I would be on the channel watching that game. I didn't want to watch that game. Quite frankly, I didn't give a shit about the Saints or Panthers game. I wanted to watch the Browns and Steelers game. So that 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 made me upset. That really upset me, um, clearly, because I started cursing. <laughs> but... um, the, the only other thing that I could see them doing, um, so we, we have YouTube TV, and um, they do multicasts of games. So like, yeah. If there's multiple college football or NFL games going on, you're able to watch four games at once, and they all, all take a quadrant of the screen. If they're going to be playing Monday Night Football games at the same time, just do a split screen. One half the screen no, is one way, the other half that. is the I, I, I don't like it either, but if you're going to be playing them at the same time, at least have that option where you can – theoretically watch both games to, to me but I, I think i think the best option is like i suggested and staggering them better i i don't i don't think you should have two I'm, i was gonna get to the point where i don't think you should have two at all i think monday nights and thursday nights those are prime time nights that's like that's for one game if you want to have multiple prime time games then use sunday night for that when when ever like people still aren't working obviously they got to go work monday morning but to be fair like i'd stay up and watch football until like midnight one in the morning on a Sunday night. I'd make that sacrifice. I'm cool with that. It's football season. Everybody wants to watch football. So if you want to have multiple primetime games on Sunday night, go ahead. I don't care. But Monday and Thursday nights should be reserved for one team. One on game. That, Sunday is when majority of the games are played anyway. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. And I you you know what I think it is? I think it's because what happens is on Sundays, they have so many games at one and so many games at four, right? So not all those games are able to get a ton of viewership because you're either watching it because that's the area that you're in and that's the team that you like. You know what I mean? I think what they're trying to do is just get more eyeballs on games, but then spread it out more. Like, you know what? Honestly, on Sundays, I wouldn't hate if you started a few games at like, what, 11 o'clock? 1030. I don't think that's awful. I think 11 o'clock start for some football games wouldn't be bad. Start some at 11 and then start some at one, start some at four, you know, start some at 630 and then your primetime game instead of 820 started at nine o'clock. I'm cool with that. You know, spread it out. That way there's more eyeballs on the games if that's what you want. But don't I don't need two games on Monday night. I don't need two games on Thursday night. I don't need you to start putting games on Tuesdays, Wednesdays or Fridays or Saturdays, I'm, I'm going to fight somebody if I'm got if i watching one game and then I get split into two games. I, I can't. I don't, I don't want that. I don't like it. 
I don't know. Let us know what you guys think at home. Clearly, I'm super passionate about it. <laughs> Do you like the two Monday night games? I think it's a slippery slope. I'm going to go with it. It's the snowball rolling down the hill. If we let them do this, then they're just going to do whatever else they want. So I think we have to nip this one in the butt and be like, hey, this this is not what it is. Don't NFL's do this. NFL's going to do what they want anyways because we're still going to watch and they're still they're going to be able to do what they want and people are still going to watch it anyway, so it's not going to make a difference. Listen, here in our worldwide listeners, Dom, we will fight this, okay? We will make sure that this doesn't happen, all right? Good luck. Unless you guys, unless you guys want it, then clearly whatever. Don't follow my crusade. It's fine. All right. Fourth quarter time. Projections. First one up. Real quick, guys. Colorado, Oregon. Who's gonna win? What's the score, David? I'm saying Colorado. Uh I've joined that bandwagon. Yes, sir. Prime time. <laughs> I think that uh score wise. Uh, I'm going to go 40 to 20. Dang. Okay. 20 point win by Colorado. That's pretty big. All right, Dom, who wins? What's the points? Uh, Colorado 35, 28. Okay. You know, I like that one. I was going to go, I was going to go similar. Um, I'm thinking Colorado, I'm going to say 30, 28. I think it's close. I think it's a close game. I think Colorado squeaks it out. Um, and I think when Colorado beats Oregon, top 10 team, baby. Top 10 team. They're going to be in the hunt. All right. Next one. I think this is the primetime game on Monday night. Two teams that are, I believe, oh and 2 Oh, no, the Rams won week one. Um, so the Bengals are 0-2. Rams are 1-1. One and one. But the Rams are a little bit more surprising to us through two weeks with their play. Bengals obviously definitely surprising because they're 0-2 if Joe Burrow plays, if he doesn't. But this is the primetime game on Monday night. So who wins? What's the scoreline, guys? Stum? Uh, Bengals, I'm going to go 28-14. 28-14. All right, David? I'm going to go Rams. 20 to 15. Okay, weird score. All right. I'm going to agree with a lot Dave. of people. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> damn. All right. Um I'm going to agree with David. I think the Rams win this game. Um I'm going to go 30 to 10. I think the uh I think the Bengals struggles continue. I think Joe Burrow is not healthy. I don't even know if he plays in this game and I think the Rams defense is a little bit better than what people are giving them credit to. And Matthew Stafford is still proving that he can be a top 10 quarterback in the league because he's getting stuff done with what we thought was supposed to be nothing. So obviously, I guess if the season continues and Pukundakua and Tutu Atwell seem to be, you know, top end wide receivers in the league, then I guess maybe that opinion changes of them. But as of right now, Matthew Stafford is making those guys look really good. So let us know what you guys think at home with those with the uh, Bengals Rams game as well. All right, let's go ahead into our overtime drive. We will quickly go through our rapid fire games real quick, and then we will end the episode. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Dom and David factor cap. This is one that's been floating out there. People have been having this conversation answer at will factor cap. 
Brock Purdy's the top ten quarterback in the league. Cap. Yeah. yeah. Assuming Cap means false, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think Cap as well. He hasn't been in the league long enough to actually say that. Um, maybe if he keeps this up by the end of the year, that might be a different story. But as of right now, Cap. Copy, copy. I, yeah, I, think- I, I agree. I, I think I respect what he's been able to do, but I think he really benefits from having an amazing team around him mm-hmm. and having one of the best offensive minds in the game, as really any quarterback would. So I, I don't really hold it against him too much, but um, I just think it right now he's the ultimate game manager. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm going to say cap on this one, but... I don't think it's far off. I think when you look at Brock Purdy, I think he's a top 20 quarterback in the league right now based off of what we've seen. I think if he can continue to develop and grow, and I think if we can see him when that team gets in situations where they need him to win the game for them, if he can do that, then I think he starts to tick his way closer to that top 10. But as of right now, I'm going to say cap on that one as well. All right. Contender or... Pretender, Tampa and Baker. Pretender for right at the moment. I think that they've had success, but we knowing Baker, we don't know how soon that can crash. Okay, okay, Dom. On the fence, I, I don't. I agree. Leaning leaning towards Pretender, I I think Baker's been impressive, um, but we know how inconsistent he can be. Um, he does have a good team around him. I think the defense has been better than anticipated. Um, I have to see this continue at this level for, for me to really consider them contenders, but I am seeing encouraging signs. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think this offense is perfectly developed for him. It's a more run and gun play action, you know, short pass kind of offense with, you know, Mike Evans. It's, and, it's a lot like what the Browns had in 2020 when they went to the playoffs with Baker. Yeah. You have you, Mike Evans and um, Chris Godwin. The other wide receiver. Yeah. And then you got Rashad White at, at running back. Um, you got a, you got weapons that he didn't have in Carolina and L.A. Yeah. And I, I would I would argue that the weapons that he has right now are better than the weapons that he's that he would have ever had in Cleveland. I know that he had Amari Cooper and an OBJ, but I, I don't think OBJ is what he was, um, especially after all those injuries. And he kind of only had Amari Cooper for one year, I think. So I'm not going to count that, uh, you know, against him or for him there. He never had Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper's first year of the Browns was last year with Jacoby Brissett and oh, Deshaun okay. Watson copy that so he didn't even have Amari Cooper so yeah I think he probably has the best weapons that he's had in his career and you know like you said that that Buccaneers defense is a lot better than what people thought it was going to be so you know I think we'll throw this back up in you know five weeks if they're still undefeated and we'll answer this question again and maybe it changes so all right that would be definitely a that would be more accurate on that statement yeah all right next we're going to play did you know did you guys know that uh Bryce Young lined up behind the wrong lineman on Monday Night Football. He uh, lined up behind his right guard (laughs) on one of the plays. It's a a new formation that they're testing out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's looking a little (laughs) tough. (laughs) He's looking rough, guys. All right. I knew. Oh, what was his name? 
was it Mark Sanchez that did it? No, Mark oh, Sanchez. He's infamous for the butt fumble. He had the butt fumble. He might have though. But I just I love the video of like I think it's Chuba Hubbard. He just kind of pushes Bryce Young behind the center. <laughs> and I'm just like, all right. <laughs> so there you go. Um, all right, guys, for our last game, we're gonna play overreaction. So you're gonna say overreaction or not an overreaction. Um overreaction or not an overreaction. Tua has an MVP season. As of right um, now, not an overreaction. Yeah, I don't think that's a reaction either. Okay. All right. I I like two or three weeks, maybe. But as it sits right now, not a reaction. I agree. I agree. I think with the weapons that he has, and he's been pretty accurate as long as he can stay healthy, I think he has the opportunity to put together a MVP season. So I'm going to say not an overreaction with that too. The last one I have, overreaction or not an overreaction? Justin Fields is benched by week eight. Not an overreaction. Not an I, over- I saw I saw a comparison with his numbers through however many starts and Mitch Trubisky through the same amount of starts. And it's shocking how similar their numbers are. And Mitch Trubisky has um he had an extra twelve hundred yards through the air passing um than than Justin Fields has had so far in his career. Um I think the curse of Ohio State quarterbacks continues in the NFL and I think it's really up to CJ Stroud right now to to kind of write the ship on that. This is what I'm gonna say about Justin Fields, right? I think the unfortunate thing about him, and this is this is goes into that conversation of wanting, you know, rookie quarterbacks to sit, is that I I can't one hundred percent blame him for, you know, his his career so far because I do think the majority of the blame goes to that organization and the weapons that they put around him. Now, when you watch the little nuances sometimes of these games, when he does have enough time to throw the ball, he does make poor decisions. And he is not able to hold on to the ball when he runs, which is something that he never had a problem with at Ohio State. This is a different level. These guys are stronger, faster. You have to protect the ball. You have to protect yourself. Um I think in his defense, they do they did spend a lot of money this offseason putting weapons around him. But but what weapons? Like his best his best weapon is is Darnell Mooney. Or, no, they no, traded for he DJ has, Moore. He does have DJ Moore. But uh, like to be fair, like is DJ Moore a, a top twenty five wide receiver in the league? Like top twenty like better than what they had. I know it's better than what they had, but like is it is it one of those things where you look at DJ Moore and he's supposed to be this huge difference maker, right? Obviously, I think they thought that Chase Claypool was going to be better than what he has. Um, I think they thought maybe Darna Moody would be better than, but also I think what Darna Mooney's coming off of having cancer, I think. So that's one. No, it's not Darna Mooney. Who is, who is the player that I'm getting him mixed up with? Somebody. You're thinking of uh, Mechie from the Mechie. Texans. Sorry, my bad. But Darna Mooney, I think they thought was going to be better um, it doesn't seem like, you know, Justin Fields is able to get Cole Komet as, you know, involved, or maybe that's the play calling. That kind of seemed like who that would be his go-to, his safety blanket, but it'll be interesting. I think I think two things will happen. Either Justin Fields will figure it out, um, or I think he gets benched. And I think if he gets benched, 
I think he should request a trade or I think the team should trade him. I think Justin Fields would do well with a change of scenery. Um, go to hopefully a team that's more stable, a team that has better weapons, a team that has the idea that they want to maybe sit and develop him for a year or they have the ability to coach and develop him. I think that's that's where he needs to be. I just think that when you look at the Bears organization, they are not good at developing their quarterbacks and they consistently do not have good teams that they put on the field. Um, I, I just don't know what else to say about it. I, I Like I said, I think Justin Fields is hurting himself with some things, but I think 70% of it is on the organization. And and uh, yeah, I, I just... I don't think he's able to play well because of what he has around him and the support that he has, but he has to at least look good in that 30% that, that he is accounting for um, to justify him being on the field. So, all right, everybody, thank you so much. We got through four quarters and an overtime drive real quick. I really appreciate you guys sticking through it. We're going to be here every single week going over the NFL college football, the ups, the downs, the sads, the goods, the bads, and the happies until we hit the Super Bowl. If you guys did not hear, um, I think David had sent it in our group chat earlier about the USFL and XFL potentially merging. I don't know if it's official or not yet, but it's definitely in talks and conversations. I think all three of us had said that was probably a good idea, something that they should strive for, um, especially with the success of the XFL last year. I think the USFL is a no-brainer for them to absorb into that. But let us know what you guys think about that going forward as that deal unfolds as spring football comes closer at when the Super Bowl ends. Um, we'll try to do a better job of covering that as well because that is future talent that could be in the NFL one day. So as always, everybody, I am Nick. I was joined by Dom and David. We will catch you on the next episode of Two Minute Drill presented by Deep Dive Sports. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Two Minute Drill. And make sure to follow the show on Instagram at Two Minute Drill Podcast, D-D-S. Don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can listen to all of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Also, comment on all our posts and episodes. We would love to hear what you think about the show and what we talk about each week. And as always, Two Minute Drill listeners, until next time.